This is Crosscut Reports. I'm Maliha Sayed. Today, we're looking at the key issues and candidates at the heart of Seattle's upcoming election. Get ready for a whole new look next year on the Seattle City Council, where at least four seats will include new members. This will change Seattle politics. November 7th is approaching fast, and soon, voters will cast their ballots to shape the future of the city. Crosscut City reporter Josh Cohen has been covering all things election for the past few months. We picked his brain to get a little more insight into the issues on voters' minds, the candidates competing for city council, and ultimately, what's at stake this year. I think it would be helpful if you could just tell me a little bit about what you've been working on for the past few months when it comes to the election. Yeah, so this is a big city election year. Seven of the nine city council positions are up for election. Those are all the the seven district council positions. The general election is now less than two weeks away and seven Seattle city council seats are on the ballot. So for the last couple of months, I've been talking to candidates to hear about the big issues that they want to address in the city, sort of how the policy ideas they have for addressing them, how they think they can pay for it, because it's one thing to have a great idea for fixing a problem. It's another to have the money in the city budget to do anything about it. Yeah, just really uh, been trying to get a sense of who these candidates are and what they want to do if elected to city office. You know, I think probably no surprise to any listener. The big issues right now are public safety and policing. Both candidates say they support hiring more police officers and using alternative responses. Homelessness and affordable housing. You know, my concerns about the failures of the current city council to address public safety, public health and homelessness. The drug crisis and um, really sort of the public fentanyl use. And then again, uh, I think the budget is a big issue and we can get a little bit more into it. But, you know, 2025, 2026, the city budget office is forecasting a deficit in the general budget. And so that is a challenge that this next city council is definitely going to have to deal with. I think you had mentioned previously in your conversation for this podcast earlier this year that the issues are pretty universal. The issues that all the candidates are addressing are pretty universal. It's really going to be about how they're tackling issues of homelessness, of drug use. Have you seen differences in how candidates are approaching these issues and kind of what's sticking with the public? Yeah, there's definitely differences. I think on their face, you look at a candidate's website, their campaign website, it sort of seems like everyone's coming at things from a very similar place. Like, you know, there's I, I keep calling it sort of the the yes and approach to uh, problem solving. They're like, well, we need to hire more cops and we need police alternatives and we need sort of uh, community violence interruption efforts and we need to arrest drug dealers, but also get people into treatment. And, you know, I, I think it's a very sort of Seattle approach that we want. We want it all. I don't know. Um <laughs> But then when you sit down with candidates and talk to them, and I hope this is conveyed in the articles I wrote about all the races, I think there are some very stark differences. And it, you know, not every race is the same or every district is the same, but like there are definitely sort of a slate of candidates who their number one priority is hiring more police. They see that as essential to moving the needle on public safety, on crime. Should the Seattle Police Department's budget be cut? Maybe. No. 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 
No. Yes. No. Maybe. Yes. No. 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 There's a slate of candidates who's much more focused on policing alternatives and sort of non-sworn officer interventions. In a similar vein, I, I would say, I guess we can call them the more conservative candidates want to address the city budget without raising taxes. There's a lot of people who have sort of promised either no new taxes or are at least sort of that is their last resort. They want to find other ways. They want to audit the city budget, find sort of program areas to cut that maybe they think the city doesn't need anymore versus sort of the more progressive slate that says Seattle's a wealthy city. We don't tap into that wealth enough. We can, you know, raise new revenue that way to fund these priority programs that we say we need. It seems like almost every, if not every single district, there's this dichotomy of a more progressive candidate and a more conservative or like maybe moderate candidate. Is that pretty standard when we're seeing city council elections play out? You know, for a long time, a rule of thumb in Seattle has been the stranger endorses progressives and the Seattle Times endorses conservatives. And we do have seven stranger endorsed candidates running against seven Seattle Times endorsed candidates. And so like... There is truth to the sort of progressive versus conservative dynamic to this race. But I think, again, when you start drilling down, it's not so night and day. You know, some of the the sort of quote unquote progressive candidates aren't necessarily like what people might think of when you say they're the progressive candidate. You know, there's like Marin Costa in District 1 is sort of. She is the progressive candidate there. She has labor's backing. She has the backing of progressive orgs. People that work here can't afford to live here. She is, I think, more progressive than Rob Saka. But, you know, she also wants to hire more police. And that just is not necessarily a progressive stance, uh, even if it is what voters want. You know, looking at the crosscut Elway poll from August... 65% of voters said they were more likely to support a candidate who wants to hire more officers compared to 18% who said they would vote against a candidate with that position. So, like, I think there are a lot of candidates out there that are reflecting sort of the the majority position of Seattleites right now. But it it sort of muddles the, the clean, progressive, conservative split. This might be a broad question and kind of hard to say, but do you get the sense that voters are open to new taxes? Uh, yeah, perhaps surprisingly. Actually, perhaps not surprisingly. Seattleites have rarely met a, a tax that they wouldn't vote to pass. We pay for so much in this city and state with property taxes because it's one of the legal taxes we have. And there's long been sort of concern and a sounding the alarm of voter fatigue about levies and they almost always pass. It'll be interesting to see the Seattle housing levy, which is an important source of money for new housing construction and paying for ongoing operations. That's up for renewal on the November ballot. 970, 970, $970 million housing levy. Mayor Harrell has tripled the size of it. It's nearly a billion dollars. Uh, will be an essential source of money moving forward. 
I think that'll be a good litmus of how Seattleites are feeling about taxes right now, whether or not that passes. And according to the summer Crosscut Elway poll, a majority of people said they would vote to pass it. And we asked voters if they would support or oppose some form of new tax on Seattle's largest businesses. 63% said yes. Uh, And then we also asked them if they would support new taxes on the highest income Seattle residents. 60% said yes. So there's clearly voter support for new taxes in the city. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see how the new council runs with that. Mm -hmm. And thinking about voters, what are they thinking about when it comes to this election and the candidates? Either feedback on your stories that you're getting or some of the polling that we've done, what kind of insight do we have into how voters are feeling this year? Yeah, I mean, voters clearly think this is an election with consequences. When we polled them, 43% said it's critical to the future of this city. 37% said it's important, but not critical. And then similarly, I think voters are not super happy with the current council. I mean, the city council rarely polls well, but their numbers are kind of down in the dumps. Take a look yeah. at the opinion of the city council. 57% yeah. of people had an unfavorable opinion in 2021 <clears throat> and 2022, but that's jumped to 70% this year. So clearly people are growing more frustrated. Do you think I think there is a general dissatisfaction with the city council right now among Seattleites. And that kind of goes both ways. There are progressives who want a more progressive council and feel like the current council actually isn't progressive enough. There are plenty of conservatives who feel like the city council needs to sort of get down to brass tacks and just do more basic sort of city function things, sort of a good governance approach to city politics. But either way, I think people want some change. And frankly, they're going to get it no matter what. Out of the seven city council seats up for re-election this fall, there are only three incumbents. So that's a lot of change, even if those three incumbents get re-elected. And on top of that, citywide city council member Teresa Mosqueda is running for the King County Council and has a very strong chance of getting elected. And so then the council would need to appoint her replacement. And so potentially come January 1, you have upwards of eight new council members out of nine positions. On that note, what are some of the races that you're watching closely for in the next few days? You know, it 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 sounds like a deflection, but I think <laughs> all of them are pretty interesting uh, and important. I think District 3, the race between Joy Hollingsworth and Alex Hudson, could be one of the closest. Top candidates Joy Hollingsworth, a cannabis business owner, and Alex Hudson, a transportation advocate, were separated by less than 100 votes in the August primary. I think maybe relative to other races, they're sort of the least distance between their policy positions. There are some key ones. Hollingsworth is much more on the we need to hire cops and we need to audit the city budget before we impose new taxes. And uh, Alex Hudson is the opposite of that. But I think as as candidates and sort of their, their campaigns have hewed a lot closer than a lot of uh, other races. I would say uh, D1, D4 and D7 have gotten pretty spicy, at least as far as 
Seattle election spiciness goes. They're mostly polite. But yeah, in D1 and D4, there's been a lot of outside independent expenditure committees spending money to support Rob Saka and Maritza Rivera. And it's a lot of big business money, developers, people who I think generally fall on the conservative side of things. But one of the funders in both of those committees uh, is a local developer who is also a big Trump donor. And that's become a real uh, point of contention with the, you know, the people receiving their money being like, well, we have nothing to do with outside expenditures. We're not directing that, which is true. Uh, and the people, their opponents sort of shouting to anyone who will listen, look, there's there's this MAGA supporter. Is that really what we want in a Seattle candidate? So that's I think that's been spicy. Also, uh, in District 1, after the primary, all of the other primary candidates endorsed Marin Costa over Rob Saka. And so that's been another sort of controversial point. Are there any whose election could significantly shift the districts that they're representing? Yeah. Well, I would say I would say District 2 has the potential to be a pretty big shift if Tanya Wu wins over incumbent Tammy Morales. I think with the departure of Shama Sawant, Tammy Morales, if reelected, would mark sort of the new left wing of the city council. Would I think fair to say she would be the most progressive city council member if reelected. And Tanya Wu is bringing fairly conservative policy ideas to the table. She's a pro-police candidate and sort of skeptical of passing new taxes or sort of only willing to do them as a last resort. So yeah, I think if you replaced Morales with a more conservative woo, that would be a big shift for the city council and for the district. But yeah, there's, you know, there's potential too in all of these districts where the incumbents aren't running. Lisa Herbold, a pretty progressive candidate, usually votes with the council's left wing, a very pro-labor candidate, you know, Rob Saka gets elected. I think that's a much more conservative seat than Herbold. Similarly, in District 4, Alex Peterson, not running for re-election. He is one of the more conservative council members we have. So you get Ron Davis in his place, who is running a fairly progressive policy platform. I think that's a big shift. So yeah, there are a lot of moving pieces right now, and we could see definitely a real shuffling of sort of the city council's politics or voting blocks. When we think about some of the issues that are at the forefront of this year's election and also the candidates who are running, do we have a sense of kind of where Seattle's at or the state of Seattle right now? I think this election will really help illustrate where Seattle's at. You know, we had 2021, a lot of Seattle political observers see the 2021 election as this this sort of reactionary moment uh, in Seattle politics. You had some pretty pretty starkly different candidates running. You had some pro police abolitionists running against pretty conservative opponents. And those conservative opponents largely won. Voters are saying they want a more pragmatic, progressive approach that that we're moving away from in Seattle, the activist, ideological, progressive approach. Um, it's very clear by the margin of that. And so I think people look back at 21 and think that was potentially a reaction 
by voters to the summer 2020 George Floyd protests and a feeling that voters want to move in a more conservative direction uh, or want their their city officials to move in a more conservative direction. You know, as we've talked about, I think there's maybe not quite as much space between candidates in this race. There are people who don't necessarily think we should be hiring more cops, but I don't think there's any there are not any explicit police abolitionists in there saying we need to fund the police budget by 50% like the city council was calling for in 2020. But still, there are big differences. There are progressives. There are conservatives. And I think if the conservative block is elected, it does say something about sort of Seattleites and where they're going, where the political winds are blowing, you know, to the extent that uh, political labels matter, being pro-police, pro-encampment sweeps, anti-tax is a fairly conservative position. So, yeah, it'll, I, I think it'll be interesting to see what happens when Seattleites, many of whom imagine themselves to be progressive, call themselves progressive, head to the ballot box. Thanks for listening to Crosscut Reports. This episode was reported by Josh Cohen. It was produced by Sarah Bernard and me, Maliha Sayed. The story editor was Ryan Famuliner. Our executive producer is Sarah Menzies. You can subscribe to Crosscut Reports wherever you listen. And whatever platform you're listening on, please review us. We'd love to know what you think of the show. Also, if you would like to support the work we do at Crosscut, whether it's our lineup of podcasts, the video docuseries we stream every week, or the in-depth reporting we deliver every day, go to crosscut.com membership. In addition to supporting our journalism, members receive complete access to the on-demand programming of Seattle's PBS station, KCTS 9. For the latest political, environmental, and culture news from the Pacific Northwest, visit crosscut.com. That's also where you'll find a text version of the story we discussed today. Crosscut Reports is a product of Cascade Public Media. I'm Maliha Sayed. We'll be back soon with another episode.